All right, good morning. My name is Chuck Lee Master with Team Faith. Pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, man, this was perfect yesterday. <laughs> yesterday morning at 8.30, it was just blue skies, and, and, and we heard about coming rain and said, there's no way. But yeah, it's a little different this morning. So I appreciate you slogging through the mud to get out here. Um, a couple of announcements real quick. If uh, last, last or Two weeks ago, I talked about selling T-shirts to do a fundraiser for a mission down in Honduras. Uh, through FCA, which uses dirt bikes to share the gospel of Jesus. If you still want one of those t-shirts, uh, we've got some available. They're $20 each. Um, youth, Team Faith Youth, that's been going on all year, has actually been going really, really well until last night. <laughs> kind of came to a screeching halt. We had, uh, uh, back in Kentucky at the Mammoth, when it rained so hard, uh, we had a kickball tournament planned, and we still, and through all that mud, we still had about 20 kids show up, wanted to play kickball, and I said, well, we got to give them another chance to play kickball. So we scheduled kickball for last night, and it rained and rained and rained. And there were six kids that showed up. And I said, you know what, let's just postpone it. We'll play kickball in Ohio. When uh, Hopefully we'll pray for good weather, and we'll have good weather, and we, we can get a good kickball tournament. But um, on Friday night, we, did some, we started doing some things on Friday night for the ATV youth, and we had big wheel races right out here on the grass. And we had about 20 kids show up, and we were uh, drag racing big wheels and had the bracket racing and everything, and it was a big time. A couple of the pro riders came out and participated, and, and it's, it's actually pretty cool because it's just, just one way to connect with people. And I know that that's, what, uh, that's the mission of Team Faith is to connect with people out here in the racetrack community. You guys obviously have a heart for Jesus Christ, and you're out here, and um, uh, hopefully we're encouraging one another and, and helping each other to let our light shine. So there's a, there's a few quick updates uh, on what's going on. Um, Team Faith is based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Music City, USA. Uh, that doesn't mean that I know anything about music. <laughs> doesn't mean that I'm musical at all. Matter of fact, I can't even tune the radio, let alone tune an instrument. But I live in Music City, USA. I like to listen to music. I like uh, all kinds of music. Country, Christian music is based out of Nashville. And uh, But I'll, I'll be changing the dial. And this past summer, I, I changed the dial, and I came to the Top 40 station, and I came across a song that was playing. It was a new song, a new release, and it was pretty catchy. It had a nice beat to it. And then I started listening to the words. <laughs> and that's a dangerous thing when you start listening to the, the words of music of any genre, unless it's Christian. You're like, man, what, it, what am I singing along to here? And, and the words were, I can do what I, we can do what we want to do. We can love who we want to love. We can do, go where we want to go. And there's one line in the song that says, remember, only God can judge you. I said, oh, that's good. I'm going to write that down because I'm going to use that someday as, a, as, a, as an illustration and a message. And I kid you not, it was just a couple weeks later that Miley Cyrus performed that song on MTV VMAs, the Video Music Awards Ceremony. And then, you know, it was funny because that, that line, only God can judge you, the blogosphere just blew up. I mean, if you haven't heard about Miley Cyrus by now, then you're not on Facebook or Twitter or watching the news. I mean, she did this performance apparently, and I haven't seen it to this day because I just, I don't care. But <laughs> I do care because it's made such headlines. And she did this, uh, she did this uh, performance of that song um, on, the, on the VMAs, and uh, I'm losing my place here with the wind. But she did a rendition of that song, and I guess it was really vulgar and very sexual, and she wore this, uh, this, this the clothing looked like she didn't have any clothes on at all, and it was just, it was just uh, even Christians were saying, man, that is vulgar, that's bad. And so in a September 3rd interview, just this month, Miley Cyrus did an interview, and uh, she said, I don't regret it a bit. I got my name out there. Everybody knows who I am, and she's right. Until that day, August 25th, I didn't even know that MTV had Video Music Awards. 
and now I know it, and so does everybody else, and we've all heard of Miley Cyrus for sure, and we all have probably heard that song by now, or at least have seen something on the internet about that song, and, and the, the whole attitude of her interview on September 3rd was, I can do what I want, just went right along with the lyrics of her song, I can do what I want, and you can't judge me, because only God can judge you. And so that brings us to the most famous verse in all the Bible. And I know that we all think of John 3.16, but John 3.16 is not the most famous verse in all the Bible because hardly anybody can quote it. We all know the reference. We see it on, on football players underneath their eyes, John 3.16, but not many people can quote, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the most famous reference verse. The most famous verse, people that have never been to church can quote the most famous verse, which is, judge not, lest ye be judged. And they can even quote it in King James. Isn't that funny? And if they can't quite get the if they can't quite get the exact wording right, they can paraphrase it and they still paraphrase it in King James. Thou shalt not judge. And I've heard that over and over again. And so let's go look at that. Jesus actually said that. He said that in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew recorded it. 7th chapter of Matthew. It's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, we talked about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was on a hillside bunch of people gathered around him and he started just teaching them on all kinds of different subjects and last week I had a chunk of pavement in my hand and I said this chunk of pavement you know the things that we chase on this earth are as valuable as this right here because this chunk of pavement the streets in heaven are paved with gold and we think that that's awesome that there's a lot of money in heaven but what the whole point is is that the things that we chase the most on this earth are just a chunk of pavement up in heaven and Jesus talked about this when he said, don't be concerned about the clothes that you wear. Don't be concerned about what you're going to eat. Don't be concerned about money. Put, lay up treasure in heaven, not on earth, where, where moth and rust and thieves and everything can come in and destroy it and steal it. He says, lay it up in heaven. And so how do we do that? And the point last week or two weeks ago was to be all in. Sold out. God, I know that you have more for me than just a chunk of pavement, and I don't want to chase pavement anymore. I want to chase you. Show me how to do that. So then Jesus is continuing. It's, this is right after his money talk. He says, Judge not, lest ye be judged. Let, for in the way that you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. It's basically the original, what goes around, comes around statement. He goes on, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Well, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye. Behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Let's pray real quick. God, thanks a lot for this morning. Just thanks for the, the, the sunshine. We sure missed it yesterday, but uh, we're thankful to have it this morning. We're thankful to be gathered here underneath this tent in your name, and I just pray that you will reveal yourself to us this morning. This subject of judging is, is, a, uh, is a tough one because you said don't judge, and yet all my life I've wondered, well, how does, that, how does that go with discernment? Am I not to discern what's right and what's wrong? And so would you just be with me today as I share? In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Jesus, he was... <laughs> He was one of a kind, obviously. God's own son come down to earth to show us the way. He was the way, the truth, the life. But when he was on this earth, so often he was just right there in your face. Here in this passage, he's like, you hypocrite, take the log out of your own eye. You got a two-by-four sticking out of your eye, and you're worried about a speck of sawdust in his eye? You guys are crazy. And he comes after him like that. And, and, and um, I think the first thing that we need to do when we look at this passage in the Bible in Matthew chapter 7, is we need to understand who was Jesus talking to. 
that's so important through all the Bibles to set the proper context. Jesus was on a hillside talking to hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people. We don't know. It's just a big group of people. It's the Sermon on the Mount. This is early in his ministry, and he's talking to Jews. He's talking to Israelites. Now, if you know anything about Bible history, you remember the Israelites way back about 1,800 years before Jesus. God comes to a guy named Abraham and says, Hey, I'm going to reveal myself to the whole world, and I'm going to use you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. When Abraham's descendants were about 75 people big, not a great nation, they went to Egypt because there was food in Egypt. But while they were in Egypt, they multiplied. They became thousands upon thousands of people, and they were in slavery. And so God led them out of slavery, led them over to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And uh, <laughs> this is going to be fun today, isn't it? <laughs> uh, a land with milk and honey. And, uh, and when they, uh, on their way to the promised land, God stops them at Mount Sinai. And he says, okay, I've got a few things I want to relate to you. Here are some instructions for living, all right? I've got ten big ones for you. Number one, keep me first in everything. Don't, make any, uh, don't carve idols out of wood and stone. Keep the Sabbath day. Don't use my name in vain. And as far as your relationships with one another, don't kill each other. That's bad for a relationship. <laughs> don't commit adultery. Don't steal from each other. All these things. So here's the ten big ones. And to go along with that, God gave them 603 little commandments. He said, follow these commandments. This is how I'm going to reveal myself to the whole world. I'm going to use you special people, and I'm going to reveal myself to the whole world through you. But these are the instructions that you need to abide by. Well, they get to the land flowing with milk and honey. It's a wonderful land. It's the promised land. It's the fulfillment of everything God said He was going to do for them. And when they get there, they forget. Not just the 603 little commandments, they forget the big ten. They start worshiping other idols, and they just totally turn their back on God. And so God sends them prophets. And the prophets say, hey, we need to put our eyes back up on heaven. We need to put our eyes back up on God. Otherwise, he's going to do something drastic to get our attention, and we're not going to like it. He might even take this land away from us, and we'll go into captivity. Nobody listened. And sure enough, they go into captivity. In captivity, God got their attention. After 70 years of captivity, they come back into their promised land, but they never had their autonomy. They were never able to govern themselves. You see, they were, cap they were captured by the Babylonians. The Babylonians were conquered by Persia. Persia was conquered by Alexander the Great, and so on and so forth. By the time Jesus is on this earth, the Jews were under Roman control. Pompey of Rome had come in and conquered, uh, conquered the, the region of Judea and uh, had set up Herod as, as the ruler over the Jews. And so the Jews were in the land, they could have their own religion, but they didn't get to govern themselves. And so they looked at each other, basically, I'm, I'm shortcutting it here, but they looked at each other and said, man, you know what, those prophets from 500 years ago, they were right. We forgot about God and it led us into captivity. We didn't like it. Let's put God first in everything. Let's get back to the promised land. Let's get back to where we can control ourselves, where we can govern ourselves. I'll tell you what, let's put the Big Ten up here, the 603 other rules. Let's follow those so carefully that God will have to bless us. And in order to do that, we're going to make up a whole bunch of other rules to make sure that we don't violate this set of rules. It's almost like when I was learning to drive. I was on a back country road, a two-lane road, and the speed limit was 55 miles an hour. But my dad said, you can only go 50 miles an hour. That way I wasn't going to break the, the, the law of the land. I wasn't going to break God's rule. I may break my dad's rule, but I wouldn't break God's rule. And so by the time Jesus came along and he was on this earth, they had thousands of rules. It wasn't just 613 rules. They had thousands of rules to make sure that they could put God first. The problem was they lost the God of the religion because of the religion. And so when Jesus was on earth, one of the rules was that if you needed to move 
a chair on the Sabbath day, which was Saturday in, in those times, and the Sabbath day was holy, you couldn't work on the Sabbath day, and if you needed to move a chair, you had to pick it up and move it, because if you drug it across the ground, you would dig two furrows in the ground, and that would be called plowing. All right, thou shalt not work on the Sabbath day. You can't plow, you can't drag that chair because we don't want to violate God's commandment. We want God's best in our life, so we're going to do all these things in order to get back to the land of milk and honey. And so when Jesus comes along, this is the climate that he comes into. It's nuts. You read in Matthew chapter 12 that Jesus and his disciples are walking through a grain field on the Sabbath day. The disciples are hungry because they're working men and they're hungry. And they're walking through this grain field and they start breaking off the, the heads of wheat and they sift them with their hands and they start eating the, the, the kernels of wheat. And the, and the uh, Pharisees look at Jesus and say, Jesus, what are you doing? You're letting your disciples work on the Sabbath day. And Jesus is like, you guys, haven't you ever read the Old Testament about how David went into the temple and he ate the temple bread on the Sabbath day? Don't you know that the Levites and the priests, they work on the Sabbath day? Do you know who I am? <laughs> Eating a piece of grain on the Sabbath day is not that big of a deal. You guys are crazy. You read ahead in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus and his disciples go to somebody's house for dinner or for lunch. They, they, they're they going to eat. And the disciples, they don't wash their hands in the ceremonial fashion. You're supposed to, in that day, you were supposed to wash it knuckle by knuckle. And it was supposed to represent something and, and for whatever reason. And the Pharisees are just appalled. Jesus, why are you letting your disciples eat without washing their hands? This is terrible. And Jesus goes off on them. He says, you hypocrites, you're so worried about keeping these little tiny commandments that God didn't even set, and yet you violate the honor of your father and mother. You say that if people uh, don't want to take care of their parents in their old age, they can use that money that would take care of their parents and give it to the temple, and they're good to go. You guys are hypocrites. Well, that was after Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. So what was he talking about there? Well, we're getting to that. This is the climate that Jesus steps into when he's on the Sermon on the Mount and he says, Judge not, lest ye be judged. By the measure you judge, it's going to be measured unto you. If you're nitpicking, if you're criticizing, if you're gossiping, if you're tattletaling on other people, what goes around comes around. It's just going to come right back on you. And today, I think Jesus would say, Hey, why are you so worried about what car your neighbor's driving when you have a lust problem? Why are you so worried about what color her dress is when you've got a spending problem and all your credit cards are maxed and the bill collectors are calling? Don't you realize you've got a two-by-four in your eye and you're worried about the sawdust in their eye? Let's knock this stuff off. Let's concentrate on what's important. And then he, then he takes it one step further that's kind of, um, kind of mysterious. He says, Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under feet and turn and tear you to, to pieces. And that's a strange statement, but when you put it in context, back in that day, there were the Jews. Jesus was talking to the Jews, God's chosen people. If you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. If you were a Gentile, you were a dog. That's what they referred to Gentiles. as dog. You and I are dogs today to them. And so Jesus uses their language. He says, don't take what is holy and give it to dogs. Don't take what's holy and give it to unbelievers. And today, don't take what is holy and throw it at somebody else. Miley Cyrus, can't believe you did that. Don't you know that God's Word says, here's the standard of purity? Don't you know that God says, here's how a woman should adorn herself in Peter? Don't you know what Peter said about that? She doesn't care. She's not a Christian. She's never claimed to be a Christian. She's never once said that she wants to be held to the standard of God's Word. And Jesus said, when you take, when you take what is holy and you throw it before them, they just trample it, and then they're going to turn on you. All you do is cause damage 
to the gospel of Jesus Christ when we start taking the Bible and start throwing it at people that don't want to be held accountable to it. And so, I hate to say this, but I've seen that happen the last few weeks with the whole Miley Cyrus thing. The Christian blogosphere just blew up, blasted her to pieces, used scripture verses to tear her down. And I think that that's kind of what Jesus is driving at here. It's, you know what, we're so worried about what other people are doing without focusing on ourselves first. And then... Once we focus on ourselves, we might be able to discern what's right and what's wrong in another person's life. You see, for certain, as you read through the Bible, you find out that we are definitely supposed to make a discernment between what's right and what's wrong. But how do you, how do you make that discernment in the way that Jesus did it? Thankfully, Jesus showed us how to make that discernment. All right, When there was sin in somebody else's life, Jesus had a way of dealing with it. And I want to look at two examples of Jesus when he was on this earth. The first was John chapter 4. It's, it's the story of the woman at the well. Jesus is walking through Samaria, which is not part of, uh, which is, which is not part of, um, it's part of Israel, but it's not where the Jews were living. The Samaritans were not Jews. They didn't believe in the same God. They didn't have the same set of religion that the Jews did. And so Jesus is going through Samaria, and he stops at the well, and there's this woman there, and it's about noonday. And this woman's there all by herself. And when you understand the, uh, the times, you, the well was the fence post that the women gathered around. This was the Starbucks of the day, all right, where everybody would gather and they'd share their news of the morning and they'd catch up on the gossip. This woman's here all alone, not at the right time of day, not at the first time of day, and Jesus starts talking to her. And she thinks that's kind of weird because Jesus is a Jew. She is not. He's supposed to be holy. He thinks that she's not holy. Why is he talking to her? And he, in essence, says, Woman, I see that you have a lot of pain in your life and I can help. She's like, Yeah, right. He's like, Well, go get your husband. I'll tell you more about this. Go get your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with right now, he's not even your husband. She's like, wow, I think you're a prophet. He's like, yeah, you don't know the half of it. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that everybody's looking for. And Jesus revealed his true identity to this Samaritan woman before he ever revealed it to any of the Jews that he came to, to serve and to reveal himself to. And because of that, this woman goes and gets the whole town, and her life's changed. The whole town has changed because of how Jesus handled this situation. This is interesting. <laughs> All right, everybody watch for the rig to move. Oh, we're good. So anyway, what's most fascinating about this whole situation with the woman at the well is what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, don't you know you're not supposed to be living with somebody if you're not married to them? Don't you know what the Bible says about this situation? Don't you know the standards of holiness? He didn't say any of that. He just said, hey, I'm here to be living water. I am here to fill that hole in your heart. And she said, really, tell me more. Next situation is farther on in the book of John. John chapter 8, there's the, uh, the woman that's caught in adultery. And at this time, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day who were imposing all these crazy rules on all the people, the Pharisees want to trick Jesus. They want to catch him saying something that he ought not be saying so that he can use it against him. And so they go catch this woman that's actually in the act of adultery. They drag her out of bed. They drag her before Jesus. And they say, hey, Jesus, we caught this woman in the act of adultery. The, and the law of Moses says that we're supposed to stone her to death. The penalty for this is death. And they all had stones in their hands. What do you say we should do? And they were looking to trick him. And he totally ignored them. And, uh, and he, start, he stoops down and he starts writing in the ground. And we don't know what he was writing. I don't really think it matters what he was writing. The fact is, is that he was ignoring them. And they keep persisting. And they say, Jesus, what do you say we should do? Aren't we supposed to kill this woman? He, said, he stands up and he says, fine. Those of you who have no sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. And one by one, starting with the oldest to the youngest, they start putting their stones down and they walk away. 
And Jesus stands up and he looks at the woman and he says, Woman, does no one condemn you? And she says, No one, Lord. He says, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. In this case, this woman has the same God. This woman does believe in God and he does call her out on her sin. He says, Go and don't do that anymore. That's harmful and it's destructive to your life. Look at the position it puts you in. You're humiliated before men, but he didn't call out the humiliation. He just says, Hey, I love you. Go and don't do that anymore. And the common theme between both of these women is that Jesus showed so much love to them. And unfortunately, in my experience and what I see going on in the world around me is we have, we have a couple of different approaches to sin that we see. When we make a discernment of what is right and what is wrong, we have one of two, two uh, responses. Number one, we use a flamethrower. All right, we take the Word of God and we just flame the people down, kind of like what, what's been done in the blogosphere with Miley Cyrus. We take the Word of God and we just thump them over the head. I had a friend on, on uh, Facebook where I said something stupid a couple years ago. She called me out on it. She doesn't believe in God. She's, she's an avowed atheist. And uh, I, I said something she didn't agree with, and she called me out on it. And she was actually right. I said something that was disrespectful to, um, to our president, actually. <laughs> and... Uh, and just because I don't agree with some of the decisions that he makes, nonetheless, the Bible does say that I am to respect him and his authority and his position of authority. She calls me out on it. Some of my Christian friends flamed her. I mean, through the Bible ladder about how I was right and she was wrong. I finally had to delete the whole post. I contacted her personally and I said, I am so sorry that my friends are flaming you in this way. I recently had a chance to go out to lunch with her. And we have a great relationship, a lot of respect for one another. We have completely different views, and yet I made it my decision at that point that I'm going to love this woman because she can't see Jesus in me if I'm flaming her with the Bible. The other response is that we just totally ignore it. Oh, you know what? What you're doing is not right. <clears throat> you're, uh, you're living with your boyfriend, and I know that that's not right. However... I'm not going to say anything about that because I don't want to judge. I don't want to offend you. I want to make sure that we can continue to be friends that we'll just get along. I just want everybody to get along. I've been a part of some uh, some current churches. Um, have had a chance to go to some current churches where they refuse to preach on sin because they don't want to offend anybody. Well, Jesus never offended anybody. Actually, He did quite a bit. He was very straight about what He had to say. And here's the thing about both of these responses. When we see sin in the world, when we see something that's wrong, both of these responses do not show the love of Jesus. All right, When you're flamethrowing somebody, you're not showing them any love. I think of Westboro Baptist Church. And if that name's ringing a bell but you can't quite place it, that's the, that's the group of people. I don't, I don't even want to call them a church. That's the group of people that's out there protesting the, uh, the funerals of the soldiers. All right? And they're using the Word of God to just throw it at people and beat them over the head. And there's no way that anybody sees the love of Christ in that. All right? The other response when you ignore somebody and say, oh, I just want to be friends, love says, you know what? I see that you're on a course to destruction. I see that if you continue down this road, there's going to be a lot of pain in your life. And I want to let you know right up front that I see some problems in your life that are concerning to me. And if you'll let me, I'd like to sit down with you and talk about this. And if they don't let you, you can still love them. But when the train comes off the tracks, you now have credibility with that person. You see, what do we do with, with, with the Miley Cyruses of the world? I'd love to just say to Miley Cyrus, Miley, you're crazy. <laughs> but you're selling yourself so short. You're more than just a hot body. God created you to be so much more than to just make a splash on MTV. He created you for all of eternity. He created you to do something on this earth that's going to last into eternity that's so much more valuable than just making a splash in one moment of time. 
But if you don't want to, if you don't want to understand, if you don't want to hear me right now, I'm cool with that. I completely understand. If there's ever a time in your life that the train comes off the tracks, I want. To... This is tough today. I'm sure it is for you too, just to pay attention. Uh, if there's ever a time in your life that the train comes off the tracks, I want you to know I'll be there for you. I want you to know that I I can relate. The same. The same goes when I'm talking to a Christian brother. Man, I see what you're doing. I see that person that you're dating. That person is going to pull you away from Jesus. And I know that that's not what you want in your life. If you'll let me, I'd love to talk to you about that. This actually happened in my life back in 2004. 2002, I met Brian O'Rourke, the guy that started Team Faith. And uh, it wasn't long after that that I kind of went off and did my own thing. And he saw. He knew that what I was doing, the way I was living, it wasn't holy. He stayed in touch with me. And uh, he told me later on, he said, man, when I met you, I knew that there was a place in our ministry for you, but it wasn't the right time. The way that you were living, it was two-faced. It was a hypocrite. But I loved you anyway. And through his love, just, he stayed in touch with me. I knew what I was doing was wrong. He knew that I knew <laughs> that what I was doing was wrong. And so he just stayed my friend, stayed in touch, tried to encourage me to go do the right thing. And when I finally hit my knees and said, God, I surrender, I give up everything to you, he was my first phone call. I said, Brian, I'm all in. He said, man, I'm so glad to hear that. And then sure enough, a couple years later, started coming along, and now here I am. And it was through the love of that guy that actually brought me to where I am today. And it wasn't the judgment. It wasn't the flamethrower. He didn't ignore me. And that's what I want to drive at today. Judge not, lest ye be judged. You know what? We need, we absolutely need to make a discernment in our life of what's right and what's wrong. And then when we approach it from love... That's the example that Jesus set for us. He loved us so much He went to the cross and died for us. And when we understand that I once was a dog, I once was a pig, a swine, but Jesus rescued me from that, it gives me a whole new perspective as I deal with people in this world, both that claim to know God and don't claim to know God. The response is the same. It's love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. We hear it at every wedding, right? If I, if I spoke with the tongues of men and angels and did not have love, I am but a clanging gong or a sounding cymbal. Without love, that's exactly what we are. God, thank you so much for this morning. Uh, just thanks for, for helping us to pay attention, even through all the bulldozers and dirt bikes and mud and everything else. We know that you love us, and we just invite you to be a part of our life. Show us the areas where we can extend love to those who are even the unlovable, but yet, uh, but yet you loved us so much to die for us. Um, keep us safe on the track today. Bless this race and this series in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks a lot, and have a great race. Hey, guys, I'm going to pick up a love off of Brother Chud. You all want to participate. You're very welcome. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you guys.